And if that mic was hot. Oh man, I I'm very glad that Jordan Klein loves me, and I this is how I know. I always ask just in case because. Oh wow! Hey, what's up, guys? Not my fault. NBA strategy show ran very late today. Not my fault. Not my fault. Usually isn't. It's the NFL strategy show right here on the Stochastic YouTubes, and we're happy to have you guys with us breaking down ownership for a massive. And by the way, I must say, while I try to absolve myself of responsibility, I am appreciative of you guys waiting and being patient because it happens. The problem is we've got a nine o'clock show, a 10 o'clock show, and then an 11 o'clock show. Mm-hmm. Any any hiccup there and, and who catches the brunt of it, Eric? It's us. Oh, it's us. I mean, we're scapegoats for all things, but you know what comes with the territory? Um, I, I get to just take out my frustrations on Jordan Klein, and that that always feels good. Yeah, well, it's well warranted today. Whipping <laughs> boy. Hey, we got a lot to talk about. Week 17. I can't believe we're almost at the end. Week 17, yeah. um, 13 games, just a loaded, loaded, loaded slate. Man, ben and I broke it down yesterday on the first look show. We'll take a look at ownership today and I uh, get a better idea of what this slate looks like. But yeah, 13 games, dude. This is this is heavy hitter type slate. This is one where I might just say, I might pray to the football gods, look up to the sky and press run simulation and trust the Sims tool. Sure, I'll make some adjustments along the way, but this is one where like you're never, no matter what you try and do no matter what lineup you build, there's just no way you're going to get the guys you want. You're going to get some of them, but there's also going to be like 40 guys not in that lineup that you're not going to get to. You say that, and working through this last night, I was in the Dallas airport and started kind of, you know, my normal Wednesday night process. And I got to say, I, I don't think I've called my shot all season long where it's like, I feel really good about this slate, but I feel insanely good about this slate as i look at the board i kind of know exactly what i want to do i kind of know what the field's going to do as we get closer and there's certain pieces of chalk that i think like you know ceh is looking like if pacheco doesn't get off of the uh off of the concussion protocol that he could end up being mega chalk but like the number of pivots that you have in just every single salary range and the guys that i'm comfortable clicking on that i know will all be sub five percent this is why I miss these 13 gamers that we have for the first four weeks of the season. And then you run into nine, 10, 12 games tops the rest of the way here. But there are a lot of options. And I think there's going to be a lot of bad chalk that exists here as a result. And obviously the Sims tool is going to help us comb through it as we get closer to Sunday. But God, I hand built out some stuff. I, I don't normally hand build out stuff on Wednesday night, but I feel abnormally good about this slate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gonna be looking at some Arizona stacks. Oh, Perhaps. I mean, you got, I mean, there, there's probably like four or five spots that I'm just like, I know this isn't going to be over three or 4% in terms of like the quarterback paired with the stack, the the main guy that I want. And, you know, shout out to us last week from this show, uh, not to to go crazy hindsight on it, but I, I don't know if we're going to do the recap. Joe Flacco, I, I think I saw that he was on your single entry team. He was on my single entry team. And we both were just talking about Amari Cooper in that spot. Yeah. Uh, it sucks that that's on ben Thursday too. night. Ben loved it too on Sunday. It was it was my highest owned stack. I think it was a lot of people uh, highest owned stack. The Sims, you know, there, there were a number of guys jumping up at the top of it. But that was the guy that kept, you know, making everything work still too cheap. And Amari Cooper had the ceiling beyond ceiling game. But again, there's like four or five spots here on this slate that, 
I think are just phenomenal. This is like a really good three max, five max, that $33 finished top 20 in that last week. And I think I'm going to go out and win the damn thing this week. Cause I have, I have two spots in particular that I'm like, what do you, I can't wait to talk through this slate with you. I take a guess. Yes. And by the way, I'm with you. I I had a good week, uh, particularly from showdowns running the just default setting on the Sims for showdown. Uh, had some real good finishes in the play action. So close, so close. Yeah. Uh, but main slate was still not bad at all. Thank you. Thanks to Flacco and Cooper. Only reason. Unreal. I didn't Unreal. put all of the pieces together to have that absolute nuke of a day, right? Yep. But I thought at halftime at the 1 p.m. games, there was a part of me I was like, all right, I mean, I have a real shot. Because as you, you would know, right, you have Flacco mm-hmm. and Cooper – Cooper was sub 10% in a lot of those single entry things. So now you're basically playing against, you're basically playing against 9% of the field, right? That's mm-hmm. what happened. Now you're, you went from playing against hundred percent of kickoff. Now you're playing against 9% of the field. And yep. because Flacco was around 10% as well, somehow higher owned than Cooper, which is wild. Uh, but yeah. I needed more Brees Hall and I'm on Ross St. Brown in those lineups. I had St. Brown. I didn't have enough Brees Hall with Cooper and with Flacco. Had that been the case, it's just you're rolling in money. Yeah, and I think this goes back to the late swap thing. For me, I kind of pride myself on that coming from like NBA DFS 2014, 2015 is kind of where I started my my venture into sports. And um, it, it, it was just basically pure late swap all the time because nobody was doing it. And in the NFL streets, I feel like people still don't do it enough. And the thing I'm mad about is in single entry, you know, we came off of a, a Thursday show where we talked about, oh, 20% DJ Washington is showing up and that is a terrible play at that kind of ownership, regardless of what you think for a wide receiver three, you know, Dontavian Wicks was, was going to be the guy who made way more sense. And, you know, barring injury there, he could have annihilated, but I ended up locking in that lineup spot last second. I had a two V two with the defense where I ended up getting off of Michael Wilson, um, you know, who obviously didn't really do anything, but it could have been Greg Dorch barring that injury there where I was like, ah, could have could have been a massive massive day there in that spot if i had just gotten off of the dj washington and kind of late swapped into something later because you know 1.2 from that new york jets defense was good but they were massively owned and there were definitely some pivots to get to later they were much better before jacoby Brissett came in yeah no shit oh yeah that was unbelievable let me take a Uh, guess sack howell is the man yeah oh you want you want to take a guess at the two spots that i'm absolutely obsessed with yeah, I want to take okay. a guess at a couple of these. Uh, okay. By the way, glad you guys are with us. As I said, appreciate your patience as always on this Thursday show. If you don't mind, though, take one single second to tone for your sins on a Thursday morning. Hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and leave a comment down below. We try and read and respond to all of them. And last thing, if you want to listen in podcast, I was shocked with all the DMs I get about how many people that listen in podcast form as opposed to YouTube because you can close your phone, do whatever you need. It's free, of course. Um, Apple Podcast, Spotify, check it out. Check it out. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, Ben and I do a podcast exclusive, only found there. I promise, man, that'll change the way you look at DFS if you listen to that every week. No doubt. It changed the way I did ever since we started using the post-contest simulator. Take a single-entry three-max game theory approach, get into some strategy. Ben had some wild takes that I absolutely loved this week. So all of our stuff goes to podcast. And that one can only be found there. So check it out if you haven't done so yet. All right. So can we, if you're talking, can I, can I, can we break it down to to a couple stacks we're talking about instead of me trying to, okay. Yep. That's great. 
Because it's 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 like specific pass catchers that I'm like, this is going to be what owned, and I know that it's going to stay the same because is is one of them Kansas City? Yes. Okay. Yep. Ben and I talked about that at length yesterday. That if they with the way they played recently, if the ownership is yep. through the floor, Kelsey completely unowned. Yep. You've got Kittle on this slate. Trey McBride against the Eagles. Yeah. All right, so I got one of two. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like the Justin Watson double with Rashi Rice, too, which sure. is, like, really fucked up. Sure, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if he's chalk, yep. it gets you away. Yeah, I get that. Exactly. Anyways. It's not Denver. It's not the Chargers. Nope. It's not Washington. Nope. Uh, San Francisco is just great, regardless. Yep. Yeah, they're going to be Megan Nuclear chalk when we get down to and it I at think- some point. I think in some form or fashion, you should eat some of that, even if it's not full stacks. Yeah, you're, you're going to get to pieces of San Francisco yeah. in just about every lineup, or you're crazy. It's not Baker stacks. It's not. It's not Carr. Nope. Philly's too easy. Nope. I like Arizona, but I don't think it's Arizona. Nope. I actually, the one that I, that I want to say. I'm waiting for it. I was going to go Houston and CJ Stroud, mm-hmm. uh, but but that's that's just objectively good uh if stroud is back and he's in full force yeah and he'll be lower on than normal but it's also one of those like him without tank dell it's probably going to get concentrated towards nico in some capacity and i i think all of your cj stroud stacks are going to look very similar is what i'm getting at agreed agreed you know who i really want to say who is it i don't know i want to say seattle at home against pittsburgh it's not. We haven't it's gotten not. there yet. That's an interesting spot, though, mm-hmm. uh, because Pittsburgh coming off a win, but they've been terrible outside of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Minshew and the Colts, uh, but and it's not Chicago because Chicago. Nope. I, I it's I, I, I want to give you a clue, but it's going to give it away. Well, I've gone through like it's not Bryce Young against the Jags. It is not. That would be crazy. Nope. Uh, it's not New England. It is not. I think Buffalo will have some ownership against. I like how you got the first team that I'm the most interested in, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the team that I'm second in is taking 10 guesses because it's that disgusting. Well, no, no, no. It hasn't taken 10 guesses. I'm going through them and saying it's not. Okay. Yeah. Well, so uh, you haven't had an official guess, but. No, I did. I I did guess Seattle. I got that. Okay. So I'm going to say Miami against Baltimore. Nope. Is it Baltimore? Nope. It's a cheapie. It's a cheapie. Titans? Nope. Who am I? Raiders? Nope. Hold on. Oh, my, oh, this oh, is my oh, favorite oh, tournament stack of the known. slate. I should, should have known. It's Taylor Heineke and the Falcons. Nope. nope. I, he's going to be more popular than you think he's going to be. I know he's going to be 3,900. I can uh, tell you one thing that is not going to change between now and Sunday. What are you going back the, to the Bengals? Nope. I'm going to somebody who hasn't started yet this year. Oh, you're going to Tarad Taylor? No, I'm going to Jarrett Stidham this week. It is going to be oh. a jam spot for me against oh, the Chargers defense. It. No, Brandon Staley with Jarrett Stidham. Had, did, did you watch his, his starts at the tail end of last season, week 17, week 18? Because I went back and yeah. watched him last night because I had all the time in the world. He eviscerated San Francisco, like eviscerated them. And I was watching the game and I was like, huh? Because it was at home, it was in Vegas, but I was like, watching the game, you know, you're able to watch everything in like 10 minutes these days. And I was like, these are some really good throws that he's making. And I I don't know what to make of it because it's one start in one spot. Next week he goes out against Kansas City. 
looked a little bit more like you would expect Jared Stidham to look, but he was at least happy to go out and throw it around the lot. Cortland Sutton didn't practice on Wednesday. And I kind of like putting Javante with him in a way where it's like, I want to get all of the exposure to just jam against this Chargers defense and play this more towards a shootout because I do think the Denver defense ends up the most popular defense on this slate when it's all said and done. On this slate, they're 2,900 going up against Easton Sticks. Something tells me that you could just, you know, play them. You're probably going to be getting your 8 to 10. You can move along with your life. But in the event that you want to get risky with me, this is an afternoon game, so that's something that I'm obviously obsessed with. And I think you can get all the touchdown expectation by going Stidham, Javante, and Jerry Judy with a combination of Marvin Mims. This could end up being a Marvin Mims spot that is just insane because he has had a hard cap on him because Russell Wilson does not want to throw his way. There is no question that he has game-breaking type speed upside. Yeah, he had that stupid fumble the other week, but like going back to weeks two and week three, he is really talented. And now if you get Cortland Sutton off the field, I am just going to be playing this stack way too damn much. You kind of sold me on this. Um, it is gross, but you kind of sold me. Yeah. And one of the reasons I, I, on the on my betting video, the the picks for every game last week, uh, the one spot that 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 I took, I, I I think I won every single bet where I took a dog. And then when I when I leaned into the favorites, not so much. But like Raiders against the Chiefs, gra- grabbed them. Grabbed Giants against the Eagles. Grabbed Baltimore against San Fran, and two of them won outright. Also, mm-hmm. though, grab the Chargers. And like I said, and this is no victory lap, it was it was a good week overall, but plenty of favorites lost that I liked. Mm-hmm. Took the Chargers against the Bills because you, you, you've you dabbled in crypto and stocks and I everything. Have, I've done such things. with the dead cat bounce. Yes. Right? You know what a dead cat bounce is. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times when you have those coaching changes, when things are terrible, like the commanders earlier in the season against the Patriots after they unloaded Chase and and they unloaded uh, Sweat, Dead Cat bounce, they win. And then they've been horrible ever since. I think, I think, and well, un- until I'm proven wrong this week, we'll see, that that was a Dead Cat bounce for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. One last effort, one last gasp, right, for the death rattle. And <laughs> they almost won. Yep. And now it's like, all right, it's over. Look, I, I when that line moved, from five to three and a half, I st- I took the Broncos. Didn't care. It's funny how Wilson only moved at one and a half points. Still like the Broncos. So everything that I've talked about over the last two weeks, this is what I'm getting at. Everything I've talked about over the last two weeks, including yesterday when I did my video, it's on the Odd Chopper channel, by the way. Check it out. Uh, and last week would put me would align me with your t- with your thinking. This week. it would completely align me with what you're saying. So I can't disagree with you because it makes sense. It's it's a phenomenal spot here against a team that has nothing to play for, has no identity, isn't good on the defensive side of the ball in its current iteration. You know, you look at what they're able to do. I mean, they've had, what, one sack the last two weeks. Yeah, the Buffalo game, it got a little bit closer than it ever should have been, but it's over. And also, I think with Denver defense being as popular as it's going to be, I think there's a very clear run back. Quentin Johnston might get steamed up here at 3,700, but you got Allen and Palmer. I don't expect either of them to be playing in a spot where there's no point in putting Allen out there. And Palmer, I think he's a serviceable number two based on you know what we've seen from him in a, a pretty decent sample size now the last two years. But 
I think Gerald Everett, 3,500, is just a phenomenal run back, and you get away from that Denver defense. There's just so many ways that you get massive, massive leverage. So, yeah, I know that it shouldn't surprise anybody that both the stacks I'm obsessed with come from the afternoon, but you get so much information. You get to see how those ceilings pan out in the entire early window because there's only three games in the afternoon. And so I was building out lineups, and I'm like, shit, I'm going to be so heavy on this afternoon window and you get the leverage off of, I do expect Tyrod Taylor to get steamed up to around 8, 10% as well. He's 4,600. In that same ballpark, 4,800 Jared Stidham. You get Cortland Sutton off the field. You get to play cheapies with all of the studs. You get everything you're going to want in your lineup and more, in addition to a really low-owned Denver stack. I, there's no way that this is going to change for me before Sunday. I can promise you that. I will say, though, I think Mims will be chalk. Probably, but then I also like getting to to Mr. Brandon Johnson. I also like getting to, you know, Jerry Judy, 5,100. This is like Yeah, but a... I don't think Mims will be chalk with Stidham is the thing. Like, I don't think you're going to see Okay, that. got it. Got it. I think Mims, assuming Cortland Sutton, who's still not practicing, is out, mm-hmm. you would think that Mims definitely, against this Chargers defense, you would think he gets steamed a bit. But I don't know how much that matters if you're playing Stidham with another Broncos pass catcher and Marvin Mims. Yeah. Unless people... Unless people just go, man, the values in Judy and Mims this week, so I'm just going to tag along Stidham with them. Michael Hoff, I'm sold now too, and I'm half mad about it. Me too. Yeah, I get by it. the way, this is this is not one of those things that all automatically you're just like, oh. But from a game theory perspective, and from like all the pieces fitting, I just was wor- working through last night, and I'm like, why am I going to do this to myself? But I feel abnormally good about it. I think it could be like a one start and one start only for Jared Stidham thing. But it legitimately just happened last year. And he showed the upside. He showed the ceiling. You don't even have to have a question about it. He had that ceiling against one of the best defenses in the NFL in San Francisco uh, from last season. So, like, we just saw the scenario. I'm just going to be running it back. Good luck to me. Obviously, different circumstances here. Our ownership should be up in a second. There was a hang-up on the back end with that. uh, And we can circle back. But talking about chalk at running back, there are a lot of options this week, and and I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting. It should be up any minute now. So we'll have the the big reveal live on the show, uh, the stochastic ownership strategy show. You have McCaffrey against Washington, Kyron Williams against the Giants, uh, Rashad White. I don't think it'll be chalk, but he's just been a steady twenty every week. Uh, Taylor against Las Vegas probably won't be. Travis Etienne against Carolina, limited practice for Lawrence today. No surprise, guy plays through, um, you know, falling off a skyscraper. James Cook, 11-point favorites against New England. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Zamir White, if Josh Jacobs doesn't play, he should be more expensive, but he's not. And Jacobs still isn't practicing. There's there's a lot out there, and I think I think you're going to get some awesome pivots off some of the chalk. Now, this isn't to say that I'm not going to want a healthy dose of McCaffrey and Kyron Williams, right? They're just complete mm-hmm. workhorses. But like James Conner might be very low owned against Philadelphia, a team that uh, wh- whose run defense has struggled more lately. Also catching passes out of the backfield. They can't tackle uh, Devin Singletary against Tennessee. People probably like to fade those spots, but with Jeffrey Simmons done for the year on the IR, that run defense becomes far less imposing than it's been. I just think that you're going to get some opportunities down here that people are going to massively overlook on a 13-game slate. 
Yeah, there's going to be a couple that are really appealing. I brought up Javante Williams right from the get-go, 5,600. So we'll keep him in mind. Obviously, if I'm going to be playing Stidham and I'm looking for touchdowns at the goal line, taking a $5,600 running back that's in the best spot he's been in in quite some time, uh, that makes some sense uh, for sure. I think Zeke gets steamed up here, 6K. He's now just continued to do it here. Uh, probably the most like glaring example of running backs don't matter that we've seen in quite some time. Uh, 6K sitting down there for him. But CEH is going to be the chalk of all chalk. And as you look around the industry, he's right around 25%. I think that's going to kind of maintain. But as you said, there are pivots everywhere in this range. Zamir White could end up being crazy chalk here, 5,100. Does he have a whole lot of pass catching role? Uh, no, he doesn't. But on a three-game slate against Kansas City, to get a little bit different, he made some sense, 30%. I know some people on Twitter lost their minds about it, but... Uh, it made sense to try to to get to some of the more expensive wide receivers to get to more McCaffrey on that three-game slate. On a 13-gamer, he might fall into the mix, but 5,100 is pretty glaring against Indy. I mean, I I love the idea of DeAndre Swift. This might be the biggest DeAndre Swift spot um, that we've had all year. Yeah, he's going to end up being popular-ish, but as I'm looking around, he's right now projected around 10-ish percent in some different spots. There's there's going to be some wide ranging projections on him. We'll see what what ends up getting steamed up. He could come along for the ride. Um, you know, he looked like he was maybe wearing down as the season went along. You go back to his Detroit days. He never really had this kind of like workhorse back load. You know, they're mixing in Gainwell more and more. They're mixing in, you know, Boston Scott got a couple of carries. God forbid he had gotten in the end zone and destroyed Twitter. <laughs> but uh, Philadelphia second in terms of uh, or sorry, uh, Arizona second giving up running back points here. Uh, Philadelphia, DeAndre Swift. Just can he stay upright at the one? That would be great. Dude, I don't want to get into it. It's <laughs> <laughs> so tilting. I've been on anytime touchdown props two weeks ago. Last week, we finally got there, but it's, I don't, the thing is, I don't care that he's going down at the one. Like it frustrates me, obviously, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't dissuade me from getting there because football is random. Okay, mm-hmm. but like, this type of stuff is random. And what's not random is that if you get down to the one, it's going to Jalen Hurts. What's random is DeAndre Swift going down at the one, you know, six straight attempts inside the inside the tent. Right. That's random. And we saw it. He ended up getting in the end zone easily uh, late in that game. I'm not worried about it. Uh, he has he has six attempts inside the ten over the last two games. He has three goal line carries. I'm fine with that, all right? Because when things start to turn around, you're looking at two touchdown games for DeAndre Swift as opposed to zero touchdown games. To me, I'm more than willing to get on on that. And I I said this uh, in that game against Seattle, that that Brian Johnson has to change the way they, they operate this offense. It's still dysfunctional. It still looks shitty in large part. But they have to start running the ball and stop worrying about getting out to early leads because it's not working. Well, Swift now has 38 carries over the last two games. They are doing that much larger extent than they did over the previous weeks. If you're telling me that Swift as an 11 point favorite, even though I don't think they should be 11 point favorites is going to see around 20 touches per game. I, yes. Yes. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. And if he's really only 10%, that's, that's actually not as high as I thought. 10% perfectly on board. I like it. 
Yeah, it's, it's just kind of doing a comparison contrast on Thursday. You know, a lot of what we want to do in the ownership show is give you information that can be serviceable when you check us out on Friday, on Saturday, coming into Sunday. I find it unlikely, considering how well Zeke's played and how steamed up CEH is going to be in that afternoon window, that you're going to see more than 10, 12% on DeAndre Swift in just about any circumstances. Plus, I feel like a lot of uh, RB, like uh, one spot in your RB, in a majority of lineups is going to end up being Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's going to be crazy high owned. He's crazy expensive, but it almost doesn't matter against Washington with this role. I mean, he's projected for us like around 27, 28. There's spots that have him around 29. I mean, this is, this is your raw points guy on this slate period. Like Tyreek Hill, as good as he's been throughout this entire season He's definitely uh, not fallen on hard times, but he's been dinged up. And, you know, he's not going to practice again most of this week, if not all of this week, just so that he can suit up again. That doesn't exactly help your rapport here with Tua. Now, Jalen Waddle with a high ankle sprain is probably going to open up something else for Miami. But uh, from a raw points perspective, the, the stuff that you're able to get from McCaffrey and now facing Washington that gives up gobs and gobs of running back points as well, running back pass catching, uh, running back specifically. I mean, this is just going to be another spot where like McCaffrey plus fill in the blank and it's going to be hard to get to the other expensive guys we know McCaffrey will be popular we know Clyde Edwards will be popular um I think Barkley still probably gets some owner or I'm sorry uh Elliot still gets some ownership okay. just just given the volume that we've seen that'll that that'll probably change some if Jacobs is out though um Barkley probably again volume volume mm-hmm. volume Javante Williams those guys, but are there any, are there any players at the position that, and we just, we just got our first run of ownership up. Yep, are there any players not. at the position that are getting very little ownership now that you think are viable? And I should preface this with like, if Raheem Mostert doesn't play, then, then HN's ownership comes up considerably. Uh, there, there's a lot of these spots that you have to take that into consideration for me though. Uh, like we have Swift at 8%. If that is the case, I will will happily jump all over that. Singletary at eleven percent. I wouldn't be surprised if, if if he's even lower than that. Come lock, uh, and then as I mentioned, James Conner at eight uh, percent, so sub ten percent again. All of those spots to me stand out. What about Travis Etienne though? If mm-hmm. if Lawrence plays, they're they're touchdown favorites against Carolina. That's allowed a league high touchdowns to running backs. I keep going back and forth with him a little bit. There's there's two running backs that I, I, I'm having a tough time, and maybe you can help me out. Him and Alvin Kamara are very tough for me to get a grasp on what I want to do with this week. 7,500 for Kamara, obviously because I, I expect I'm going to have a lot of McCaffrey going to Stidham's and, and some of these cheapies, probably some Tyrod Taylor in my life as well. I should be able to have easy access to them. I think Miami opens up something there uh, in the wide receiving core, You know whether that end up being a, a Braxton Berrios. I'm sure Cedric Wilson will be the guy that gets most of that attention once uh, we get to Sunday, but uh, I do expect there to be some cheapies that allow you to get up to that range of like 7,500, 7,200. James Cook in a flop lag spot, 7,100 goes crazy, then doesn't. Now, you know, New England spot that has been pretty good against running backs, third best against them uh, from a fantasy perspective. But I think Travis Etienne is an interesting one. Travis, uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence shouldn't have played football the last two weeks. Just shouldn't have played football. I think that's probably maybe made me a little bit more uncomfortable with this play because 
on paper coming into the playoffs from a best ball perspective, this was a guy that it's like, well, him, Tank Bigsby, I want to have one of them in a lot of my my best ball drafts. I advanced none to the finals, which is just the disturbing reality of it here this season. But this was always a spot that I thought would be really exceptional. I just don't trust Jacksonville's offense here with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. And yeah, you got Calvin Ridley there in garbage time. You really need them to go put the clamp down here, but only a 22 implied total. I don't know about you, but I was a little bit surprised to see that in Jacksonville, 37 and a half here. I think that just tells you how the market plays, how how unsure they are of this Jacksonville uh, offense as well. So just an uncomfortable spot. I think there's spots where I have more interest in them from a receiving perspective or what that potential could be like an Alvin Kamara. Obviously, Rashad White with one of the best uh, roles in football, but I think it's just an uncomfortable click considering the implied total is much lower than I was expecting. Yeah, I think Etienne should probably be like a mid-6K player, right? It's true. That's the problem. If he was Swift's price, I'd have no problem getting a bunch of those guys. Uh, at 7,200, it's a little bit tougher to lock that in when you could pay a little bit more for Kyron Williams, who you know is just going to get you know, unlimited work in that backfield. Even honestly, even Rashad White at essentially the same price as Travis Etienne. Like they really think Etienne's a, a little bit overpriced given what we've seen. The Jags have lost four straight games. Lawrence, as you mentioned, isn't healthy, even if he plays. Um, now he's dealing with, you know, injuries to like every part of his body. So mm-hmm. not great. Any other uh before we get to receivers, any other low owned running backs that you think are viable? Yeah, I'm going to be on high alert watching what happens here with Zach Moss. He was limited in practice Wednesday. I assume that he'll be back this week, but uh, it, I think what's happening right now is the projections are really, really saying Zach Moss is going to jump into like a 35%, 40% uh, snap share type role. I'm not sure that's going to be the case against Vegas here. This is kind of, again, they got to win back-to-back games more than likely Indy does. We're going to start looking at what needs to happen here from a playoff picture perspective. Probably screwed, but Jonathan Taylor there, $7,300, $100 more than Travis Etienne. Going up against a Vegas defense that just, they've been great with a pass rush, but it's one of those spots where I think JT could walk into 75 80%, and it's not going to show up in the projections. Zach Moss ends up out there. Yeah, I expect him to get some work, but... Uh, this had really turned into a bell cow situation before the Jonathan Taylor injury. And then, you know, they turned towards Zach Moss. We kept clicking on him as chalk. And now I do think we continue to see 70, 75% here for Jonathan Taylor, at least. So against Vegas, I'm willing to click on that for them at home here. Kind of their, their last stand of the season. Talk about wide receivers before we do. How about the fact that prize picks, Gives a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus, but a free month of odd shopper plus premium. That means all of our plus EV plays. That means our pick'em contest builder, lineup builder, and all of the plus EV pick'em plays. That means our premium Discord, where you are very active in there. Flourishing, flourishing community. Many, many, many people in there, like-minded, such as you who love DFS and sports betting. So so and, many, so many people, so many like-minded men. So many. It's great. So, so many. So what is he goes like uh his hands like that. It's like it's like the best community. It's, it's the largest community you've probably ever seen. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's the largest community, but it's probably the largest community. That's it's probably Gillis, dude. If you want to learn a Trump impression, you go to Shane Gillis. He's just got it locked out. <laughs> 
I was uh, that was the best that I got considering I just took a red eye and got in it, you know. Oh like, yeah, it wasn't very good, hours. but I knew who you Thank were you. trying Thank to you. do. Yeah, it was it was it was for the but you got free month of everything that we've got over at Odd Shopper, plus first match deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars, plus all of the free squares that they throw out there consistently. Uh it's a pretty beautiful thing, man. If you're not on prize picks yet, no better time than now to jump in because we won't be running this forever. Uh so yeah. I would say check it out. Look, all you're doing is building lineups with the over-under on these players. They've got an insane array of options, too, like rushing yards, receiving yards, passing yards, but also fantasy score. So, you know, use our projections for that. Rushing plus receiving touchdowns. I mean, they have everything from punts to dunks to, like, everything, man. Just an insane amount. There's a real edge to be found there when you get into some of these niche markets that you're not going to find in the typical sports books. Uh, they've got the demons and goblins now as well, where mm -hmm. basically alt lines, alt lines. So, uh, yeah, if you're not there, check it out. Link in the description will get you that free month and a first match deposit bonus up to $100. Make this quick since we started late today, but do you have anything you're looking at on prize picks to get our friends started jumping in the door? So I'm going to play some Demon Joe Flacco today. Um, I'm going to build out all five and six person cards when I do uh, five or six play cards. You can play in the NBA streets, NHL streets. You can go over to Odd Shopper. You can sort by the top uh, expected win plays. Because again, all you're looking for are the W's. But with these demons, they, there are changes to the payouts where, you know, you're getting kind of like a what it would be a single game parlay at other places. You would have the opportunity to put them over on the side put them into your card. And then the nice thing is that you still 2X your money if you get four of five, if you get five of six. And I'm just curious, I, I want to ask you, who's your favorite guy? If I'm going to go to the 274 and a half for the, for the demon and increase my payout up to 100X, who's your favorite of the wide receivers to to pair with him? Okay. Uh, it's not a receiver though. It's David, yeah, David and Joku. Same. There we go. That's, I leading the witness leading the witness yeah I, I love david and joku this game uh the the jets have allowed four rece receiving touchdowns to wide receivers this year four that's pretty four. good pretty good man no other teams allowed less than 10 uh they've locked down posing wideouts amari cooper's questionable with a heel coming off that huge game he might not be 100 percent, but he plays through a lot uh david and joku in a spot like this would be where I'm getting to. And I don't know what the multiplier is on the David and Joku touchdown. Pinnacle is a plus 159. Uh, other books have it around plus 180. I know there's a demon there on a half over half a touchdown. So we found out what the multiplier was and it makes sense. I wouldn't mind going David and Joku anytime touchdown either. So pair it whenever you're doing those uh, and, and you're trying to calculate what it is, always pair it with like a standard play just because it's easier to figure out what that payout's going to be. So it goes to 4.25x. So instead of the 2x, David and Joku, that's going to be a pretty decent bump to your to your parlay payout. Obviously, it's not going to be the full what? 2.25. It's not going to be plus 225 or something in that that it adds to it. But again, there aren't a ton of touchdowns expected for this game. What is that? A 34 total um, yeah. that you've got on the board for today. And you know, I was I was putting some bets in over in Iowa yesterday, firing some stuff up before I got out of there. And uh, one thing that I wanted to try to find out was, hey, what happens in a shootout where you just continue to see this crazy Joe Flacco experience and David and Joe, who kind of stood out for everything. Don't want to be messing too much uh, with some of these corners there, obviously sauce and, and company there from the Jets side of things. And 
Uh, feel pretty confident. Feel pretty confident that David Njoku, that's the guy that you're looking to pair him with. So like him in the touchdown market, also like him here over on prize picks. All right, wide receivers, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I also am sprinkling, this is for those of you standard sports betters, I'm sprinkling on a Jets anytime touchdown FanDuel at 11 to 1. Ooh. Flacco leads the league in touchdowns since he took over. He also leads the league in interceptions. And, yeah, and that offensive line, not great right now. So, yeah. Well, a 38-year-old is dropping back how many times a game? Like, like he's attempted. I mean, it's just insane the volume that they've got him out there chucking and doing at 38. So uh, I I like that call. That's I'm going to get that going. That's beautiful. Yeah, just a little make sure Fandle. BetMGM has it at plus 350. Uh, DraftKings at plus 850. Fandle's at 11 to 1, plus 1,100. So anytime you guys are shopping around on anytime touchdown props, or double doubles or home runs, please, please shop the books. You're going to get crushed if you're just betting one standard book on those, especially BetMGM. They have some good props, prop lines, or odds on a lot of stuff. I won't touch BetMGM for like home runs and touchdowns. They just, there's no meat on the bone there 90% of the time. Anyway, wide receivers, let's talk about it. So, I'm looking at this position right now and thinking to myself, this is spread out. And we had someone mention that in our comments as well. Uh, Jake, what's up, Jake? Jake's the one who fired one off at work and clogged the toilet the other day. What? Yeah. That was when Neil told me that he uses two squares of toilet paper when he wipes. And I almost had to quit the show. But what? Yeah. Two. Yeah. The two square shaman. Anyway, I, I know, dude. It's 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 remarkably disgusting. That's a but, two point four percent optimal optimal rate. That's that's not good. Not good. Hundred percent stink rate. Uh so looking at this now, the injuries could influence ownership a lot, right? Like yep. you're gonna see Judy and Mims come up in the event that we don't have Cortland Sutton. I just want to you know, mention this to you guys so you understand what we're dealing with. Uh, there are other players that, that are questionable as well, like Michael Pittman. Uh, if he gets back, that changes things. If he doesn't play, I mean, that changes things. Jamar Chase still isn't practicing, but um, could be back. You get you get the point I'm making here. There's going to be a lot of, 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 of movement uh, throughout the week. But right now, you're going to see, I was a little bit surprised to see Tyree kill at that price point, but then with no waddle, I mean, I guess it makes sense. What do you make of we have, of Rashi Rice being as, as high owned right now as he is? He should be. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that Rashi Rice is the, he's the dude for Kansas city. Well, at least I was early to the party. That that's the one good thing that I have going here. But now you're talking about uncomfortable chalk here, nonstop. He ran around at week 15, 93% of the time, only 75% of the time there in week 16, but still just keeps getting a 27, 26% target share. He hasn't had lower than a 26% target share in his last five outings here since week tw- uh, week 11. It was when he saw 13% and was still playing, you know, right around 50% of the snaps. So I am very in agreement here when Rashi Rice and Kansas City, and it makes sense. As you said before, like 
you know, talking about the spots where, you know, you were able to guess right off the bat, my, my favorite spot to get to on the entire slate. And a lot of it is just the, the comfortability you have here with Rashi Rice. You do have Justin Watson. He's just not practicing with an illness. So I, I fully expect him to be out there, but that's kind of where I'm going to be making a big stand. He's now seen 60% of the snaps now in the last two, 61 to 63% of the time running around there. And since week 11, he has been the wide receiver two out on the field. You have MVS who played 82% out of nowhere last week, but he is running wind sprints, a 2% target share, despite 82% of the snaps here. You know, I'm sure he'll get a deep shot, try to win a game and then he just drops it and it'll be a whole thing. But like, it is so clear to me that you want to play Justin Watson and you want to play Rashi Rice this week. And I, I think that double is going to be one that I go to a lot. And we're, we'll have the Travis Kelsey conversation because I don't think he'll be completely unknown this week. I think people will get there for sure. But I love the idea of a 3,400 Justin Watson in the mix. I'm with you. I, I, I like it as well. I mean, this team has been terrible. The offense has been horrible. They're like resorting to wild gimmicky stuff. Truth, it is what it is, though. They're they're anyway. getting too cute, though. That's what it is. I mean, it's like that's what they I'm saying. Well, that's fun. what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. They just... on a, we do a goblin of the week to start every first look show. Okay, it's it's the Brandon Staley presents goblin of the week, right? <laughs> Actually, no, no, no. This year, I'm sorry. This year was um was Nathaniel Hackett presents. Okay, okay. right, goblin of the week, mm-hmm. and we already decided next season it's Brandon Staley's goblin of the week, right? Got it. So oftentimes you've seen the Atlanta Falcons in there. I had the Eagles in there a couple of times. I had Staley in there a ton. Um, Ben this week went to Kansas City's play calling inside the 10, getting too cute as the goblin of the week for week 16. So you're on the same wavelength there. Yeah. I mean, you watch it and you're just like, I know Andy Sharp is not a, or sorry, (laughs) kind of said what I wanted to say there. Uh, Andy Reid is not a fake Sharp. The guy is very good at coaching. He's developed, you know, Donovan McNabb going back to your days. And just he he comes up with these things that are just fun. And he gets these like playground type quarterbacks, these transcendental quarterbacks. And he just elevates them because he's like, all right, we're going to do this. And you can just kind of see him in the lab. You know, he's like, this is the time to bust it out. He's basically, you know, it's like the one time hit of the Philly special. But he does that multiple times throughout a season in like such a nuanced way. And it almost always works out. But. Everybody's a little bit older. The personnel's a little bit different. And there's just, it doesn't feel like it's everybody on the same wavelength in Kansas City right now. And, you know, Travis Kelsey and and Patrick Mahomes have been able to do so much to elevate everybody around him. But now Kelsey's starting to get towards the back. I can't imagine that we're going to see Travis Kelsey go out next season and be the tight end one. I'll just throw that out there right now with Sam Laporta on the up and up with uh, you know, Dallas Goddard maybe getting a full season for once with a number of these spots. Like it would actually surprise me to see Travis Kelsey be the tight end one next year. Um, you know, hell, he might not finish as the tight one tight end one this year if David Njoku goes for 250 like we expect tonight, but uh sarcasm a little bit. But I'm feeling pretty confident that uh that Kansas City is gonna get back on track against City Cincinnati here at home again. They've heard all the the talk, they've heard all the chatter. I think this is like a Patrick Mahomes remember me spot and I'm going to be there in spades. So then next year, best ball drafts. I, I'm very excited for some some best ball drafts heading into next season. Oh, yeah. They're very fun. The rest of it's whatever. The drafts are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, we go into this, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your rankings and everything. Who is the first tight end draft? 
It's so hard. I is it weird to say Sam Laporta? Well, first I would have said Hawkinson, but it can't be now. No, he has torn ACL, MCL. You have Mark Andrews coming off of injury, so that's a disaster. And Travis Kelsey, I said I would be surprised if he was tight end one, mainly because there's just always going to be that that up and coming spot where I I feel as though Sam Laporta in that offense. I mean, I obviously wish it wasn't just as run heavy as it's been, but. You know, Montgomery and Gibbs aren't going anywhere. I think it'll be Laporta, but I think it's going to be like no more first round tight ends. Right. So we we know that no more first round tight ends. I think it'll be Laporta and Kelsey basically like this, as far as ADP goes, maybe like. Yeah. I mean, Trey McBride could end up being massive up there too. I mean, Trey McBride, that's it. Yeah, he's sick. I that's such a good question. I feel like right? Laporta is was is like the first guy that comes to mind. That it was probably is Kelsey too, and then Trey McBride probably falls three now. Kittle will still be up there, but yeah, because like Waller's done. Waller, it's that's that's done and over with. Yep. Schultz will probably be up there another year with 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 C.J. Stroud. Not not like top three, obviously, but he'll be up there. If you give Joe Flacco another contract, David and Joku might be the first tight end off the board. <laughs> I'm obviously joking, but David and Joku, as it stands right now, I, I honestly think that it would be, like if you're drafting right now today. I think David and Joku is clearly a top five tight end. Probably, for, I would. Who would clearly. I take over him? I'd take Laporta over him. I'd take Kelsey. I would take Kittle, and that's it. If you're drafting today. Yeah, if you're talking today, and we're not talking about, like, their matchups that they're having this week. Yeah, I would take, like, with Flacco starting, let's say there were eight more weeks of the season we're drafting now. Yep. Yep. I I think I'm going in Joku four. I'd take him over Ingram. I sure would, too. I would probably go. Maybe McBride over Joku. Yeah, McBride probably goes. close. McBride goes one or two. I mean, it is insane, McBride, what he's yeah. doing here. And you I mean, can't the Kittle take thing him over Kelsey still. No, no, I probably won't. I'm, I'm, I'm I would still say Kelsey falls two, one or two. Um, still one or two. He's still the wide receiver too. If you take Hawkinson out of the mix in DraftKings right. scoring, yeah. And I mean, obviously, or I won't take end. Hawkinson the next eight weeks. Rip. I had a year-long season team that uh, was the most stacked I've ever had in my entire life, and. Hawkinson hurt Waddle hurt uh, Raheem Mostert missed a quarter. It's just like everything that could go wrong ended up losing by three real, real fun that year long. But um, all right. Ah, so we got to okay. move on. Give me your yep, top. We'll, we'll five. keep going. Give me your top no, no, five. Give me your top five. Travis Kelsey drafting- one, Sam Laporta two, Trey McBride three, David Njoku four, George Kittle five done. Okay. Give me Laporta one, Kelsey two. Yeah, probably, probably McBride three. Yeah, I guess you're right. In Joku, then Kittle. Kittle's so good, but they spread it around way too much. Yeah, you're gonna get those nuclear games. You're also gonna get f- three for twenty five a number of times too. Honorable mentions for next year though: Dalton Schultz, Jake. Oh wait, next year, Evan Mark Ingram. Andrews. We forgot oh, yeah. about Andrews. Well, yeah, Mark Andrews will be. I mean, it's a broken foot, right? Next, yeah, next year, yeah. Mark Andrews, he'll be probably one. 
Yeah. Now, I'm, if, I if don't know, think. man. It might be Laporta. Whatever. All right. Yeah. It's so fun to talk about, though. It's so fun to think about. Yeah. McBride definitely. McBride is definitely going to be a top three, top five pick in best ball next year. No questions asked. I loaded up on Laporta and McBride late and just kind of faded yep. a lot of these top. Well, I faded a lot of Kelsey. Some of that's just the way that the, the, the draft falls to you. But every year you're going to get these opportunities. We're seeing more and more wide receivers, rookie wide receivers and rookie tight ends being involved immediately as opposed to like slowly being worked into it. It's just the way it's been, you know? Yep. All right. Uh, I, I'm having a tough time with wide receiver because this might just be stack attachments where you've got 13 yeah. games. I might just, instead of being like, oh, I like this guy, low ownership. This guy's pretty decent. It might honestly just be, hey, this stack is positively leveraged in our top stack tool. The Sims likes it. And I can get both of these guys at relatively low ownership or even just it's, a, you know, it's simmed out positive sim uh, ROI. Because when you're looking at it individually on a 13 game slate, it's far harder to try and digest that and break it all down. I am with you. So let's do it this way. I think this is a fun way to look at it. Uh, San Francisco, we know that with a 31 total facing Washington, they're going to be pieces you want to get to. Debo Samuel uh, didn't practice, but or limited. But like, let's let's be serious. Debo Samuel is going to play football here. Brandon Ayuk. Those guys are very clear cut who you want to get to. Then you've got your Philadelphia. If you're not going to be playing Swift, Arizona's been really good against wide receivers this season. Um, so there's that. I don't know how that's a possibility, but a lot of it is that you can get whatever you want on the ground against them. So it at least limits the upside of an AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. But in an offense that's searching for it, uh, I don't completely hate the idea of trying to at least pick off one of Brown or Smith. Probably not in the business of doubling, considering their their salaries here. Not a lot that you're going to be pairing with them besides some of those those complete cave dwellers. I guess I want to get your opinion on Buffalo because, I mean, those are two clear-cut totals there in Philly and San Francisco. But one, I feel pretty confident they're going to get get there on the ground. One, I feel pretty confident it's hard to pin down who it's going to be between McCaffrey, Samuel, Ayuk, and Kittle. But Buffalo, Stefan Diggs, 1.7% ownership, New England. They played good against Denver. They basically got Russell Wilson the heck up out of there. I don't care. Josh Allen, I know he hasn't been like awesome and transcendent this season, but God, this is a low amount of ownership on Stefan Diggs. And I don't expect it to go anywhere here. We've seen some Gabe Davis games. You know, obviously those are the spots where you really want to have Josh Allen attached to, but like from an individual basis, like Stefan Diggs at 80, 8,200 on a 13 gamer. If you go back to the beginning of this season, he would have been 15, 20% owned in this spot. And he yep. is 2%. Don't we have to kind of like blindly go into the go into the freight considering the 27 total here? We do. We do. Do I love it? No. no. And you, you want to know why? Opportunity cost with Stefan Diggs has become very difficult recently. Yep. Because you're you're not you're not talking about a spot where it's like, yeah, he's overpriced, but there aren't really any other great players up in that tier, right? There are. And that's that's the part that that I've had trouble with because, hell, you've got Tyree Kill, because uh, Stephon Diggs probably should be a little bit cheaper. Stephon Diggs should probably be, you know, like should he be more expensive than Mike Evans right now? I don't know. You tell me. But AJ Brown against Arizona, Tyree Kill with no Jalen Waddle, uh, Cop and the Kua against the Giants, Mike Evans with no Marshawn Lattimore for yeah. New Orleans. The Marshawn Lattimore says fucking kryptonite, dude. I know. And now no ejection risk. I'm so happy to click on that. 
Yeah, I, I, tr- I took I jammed unders last year before an ejection, and I we, felt we so talked sharp. about it. We were on a show together. We both it was so fun. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> last year and this year when they faced. We were jamming the unders on on Mike, Mike Evans too. Yeah, yep. But he's more I, interested in fighting than playing football in those spots. It's it's fascinating so to good, watch. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, all I'm saying is, does Diggs' minuscule ownership make sense? Yes. With that in mind, though. A.J. Brown is facing the Arizona Cardinals. Tyreek Hill doesn't have Jalen Waddle. These are spots that are going to potentially preclude me from getting to a lot of him. And then you look down in the mid-range. If Michael Pittman plays against the Raiders, he's just peppered with targets. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk against the worst secondary we've seen in 46 years. Uh, it The list goes on and on. There, there's some really good wide receivers in that 7k and up range on a 13 gamer yeah that that is the argument against and i i totally understand it but you look at stefan Diggs, 1.7 percent ownership currently and it just it catches your eye and you know there are a lot of reasons that you shouldn't do this but they're 13 point favorites here in this spot against new england for a reason they should for all intents and purposes, be able to do whatever they want to against this defense. I know Duggar's back there playing all right. You know, there's there's some reasons that we can we can get away from this if we want to, but there is there's no question in my mind that Stefan Diggs has a ceiling still with Josh Allen out there. And, you know, we've talked about the correlation that's been there with Gabe Davis and some of those ceiling spots, but this is now a price point at 8,200 where you're not paying the full 9K. You know, was, he's he'd been 9K forever and it felt very easy to get away from because even with 11 targets, he's got to come down with something. But he hasn't put up 100 yards now since week six. It's coming eventually. And, you know, I, I Stefan Diggs is going to have those ceiling games here in, in spots like this where this is this is the guy who makes you a million bucks here before the end of the season. You got to pay taxes on it on on you know, Sunday. So it is what it is, but Stefan Diggs, friends, God, it's just such a low ownership for this kind of opportunity. You give me 10, 12 targets for Stefan Diggs against new England. And I'll just blindly tail it here at this ownership every single time. I've got a spot for you right now. If the ownership doesn't change dramatically that I will be uh, very happy to jump on. Can I guess this one, please? DJ Moore. No, it's a stat. Okay. Both wide receivers are sub 5% right now. So not Pukunakua and, and Cup, because that's hard to put together still. Um, no, it's not. I'm going to go, so both of them are sub-5%. Sub-5%. Oh, are we going to be going Cincinnati? You want me to tell you? Yeah, I do. Houston. Nico Collins. Oh, my. $5,100 Noah Brown against Tennessee at home in a must-win yeah. game under the assumption that CJ Stroud is back under center. Yeah, man. I'll take, look, yeah. without Tank Dell, Robert Woods is a ghost. He's a shell of his old self. Yeah. We've seen a Houston triple stack literally win the Millie for someone using our Sims tool. And my dumbass on the show with Greg didn't take the third ranked lineup and just plug in. It was a Friday, so it's hard to blame. Right, yeah. But still. The third-ranked lineup would have won. The spy would have won. The red zone would have won. The 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 high stakes Millie, the five five five, all of that stuff would have crushed. Uh, by the way, Sims Tool link in the description and in chat. Sims Tool for Showdown has been on a nuclear heater recently. For me, 
for our CEO, Tom Kennedy, who's just running default settings, factory settings, took 23K home, chopped it the other day. MBA, he took 150K home the other day. Uh, Sims Tool has been crushing. And this week, with how well it's running on Sims, but even Main Slate and all of these as well, you've got football tonight on Thursday. You've got Saturday showdown, Sunday Main Slate, afternoon slate, Sunday showdown, five slates right there, not including all the turbo and showdown slates throughout uh, Sunday afternoon. So you want to get in, guys. Um, we had we had a friend of ours tweet us the other day, took down 6K what, the what, first day using the NBA Sims tool, second day used it for NFL and took down 7,500. So it's working, man. It's one people, literally one people millions this year. And I can say that. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. It's pretty great. But I told Matt Gajeski today, it's like people, it, Ben brought up like the best example ever. Because I was trying to explain how the sample is small in NFL and, and like, there's a lot of randomness and a lot of variance, but if you're getting positively simmed lineups, because we're simulating the contest 40,000 times and showing you like in these Sims, what has the highest win rate? What won the most? What placed top 10 the most? What had the highest simmed ROI? What players had the highest simmed ROI? A lot of weeks, it's not going to work in the NFL, but when it does, you're winning everything like that CJ Stroud triple stack with the uh, Rashad white run back and Kate Otten that one game. And Ben's like, yeah, you have to look at it in this way. If someone told you you were going to win the lottery in the next couple of years, would you not play it every single day, knowing that you're going to lose most of them? And then when you win, you make up for it in spades because you knew like, that's the same way to look at it. So uh, yeah. for those of you guys ever curious how it works, it makes a lot more sense when you put it into that perspective. Yeah. People play too much to cash. They don't play enough to win. Um, yeah. I didn't play DJ Montgomery cause I wanted to cash my single entry lineup last week. Obviously, am I happy about it? The results? No, but the process was there where I liked a lot of my lineup. I wanted to get to Flacco. I wanted to get to Amari Cooper and I had to figure out ways to be different. And it was like Elijah Moore, David and Joku. The more I uh, thought about it, I ended up on the Njoku side of things. So I had to find some different pivots with the wide receiver at uh, the wide receiver spot. And that's where the Sims tool is really useful is being able to see where some of these stacks, what are the pieces that are coming along for the ride that are the low owned pieces. You don't have to think about that stuff so much. Uh, you know, people kind of overcomplicate it and they don't necessarily say, Oh, well, Sim, uh, this is my top Sim ROI lineup for a reason. And most of the reason is because it's finding those low owned pivots for you. So it uh, does a lot of the work for you here in this spot. And uh, yeah, I, Obviously, play to win the tournaments that you're in, friends. Play to win the tournaments that you're in. Yep. You're right. And if you keep playing the cash, eventually you just lose to the rake anyway. Like, it's just too tough a game. These in days. life, women are the rake. They're the fucking rake. Who says that? Nobody says that. It's a saying. No, it's not. What rounders. just happened? Those rounders. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Movie I haven't tournaments. seen that in a long time. I haven't seen that in a long time. I got to watch that again. Anyway. Check it out for the so week good. down in the description. Sims Max or Sims Data. <laughs> um, sure. Copy paste data. We need a video on how to manually adjust Sims. Uh, yeah, we have videos on that. I can send some to you, man, if you hit me up in the DMs on Twitter or something. Um, but yeah, we can do that. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I just going back to Houston, to me, it makes sense. I mm -hmm. think once CJ Stroud, if he's ruled in, that'll come up a little bit. But Noah Brown has had some huge games without either Tank Dell or Nico Collins. 
Uh, you have Schultz, you have Nico, you have Noah Brown. And let's just say the Tennessee defense holds up in the run game, even without Jeffrey Simmons. And they kind of, you know, tamp down production on Devin Singletary. No problem getting this some CJ Stroud stacks. That would be my low on play right now. Uh, and I mentioned one earlier to you. I, I think, I, I don't think we want to completely overlook the uh, the Seattle Seahawks as home favorites against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has been the most up and down, unpredictable team. If they come out flat like they did against the Patriots, if they come out flat like they did against, uh, who did they get smoked by before that? Well, they got smoked by San Francisco. On no, that was week Seattle. one. Seattle? Oh, you're talking Seattle or Pittsburgh? Which Steelers. One? I'm saying uh, they got smoked by New England, which was and then fun. A- and Arizona. And Arizona. Arizona, yep. Yeah, I, I know so. it doesn't look like they got smoked by New England, but they lost to New England. That's getting smoked. That's, that's getting oh. smoked. And, oh, and they, Indy, they were never really there. I didn't weird. think so either. And Indy, they lost uh, 30 to 13. So I'm yep. saying if, if you get that style of Steelers traveling to the West Coast, Seattle's interesting in another spot where they need to win to get in. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate that one at all. And obviously, I'm very invested in this afternoon window so I can maneuver around lineup pieces based on uh, all the information that you accumulate from the first two game uh, for the from the first ten games. Like, if you don't, if you're not in the NBA streets, like one of the best parts about the late swap opportunities to be able to get into low owned spots and be able to use all the information. Like, if you have uh, a couple of running backs like a Kyron Williams and a Kamara or somebody that is just low owned that smashes puts up thirty five forty, you can go to the chalkier pieces, feel pretty good about it. But otherwise. Seattle is a great stack to get on late. If for some reason we get Patrick Mahomes steamed up here in this spot, I don't expect anybody in this afternoon window to to have any kind of, of major ownership whatsoever. But that is going to be a spot where I think Seattle, the, the passing game volume there with Metcalf, with Lockett, got to pay attention to Smith and Jigba here. He was limited Wednesday. I, I like the way that he's been playing football, obviously not just alongside Drew Locke for that touchdown catch. At the end of the uh, at the end of the game two weeks ago, but Geno Smith fifty nine hundred pretty easy now to pair with a seventy one hundred Metcalf and know what that ceiling is and lock it. There's going to be games where it's a remember me games fifty seven hundred uh, still gonna be still gonna be out there pretty much the entire time. So a pretty easy double uh, probably won't be looking at any triples there, but yeah, two of those pass catchers for sure. They, they just don't want to throw to Noah Fant ever. Never want to throw to Parkinson. Nope. So it's so easy to know that basically three guys. You rotate them around Geno Smith, and uh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a low owned stack that'll work. We already talked about Denver a lot to start the show, so I'll save you guys on that. But if you missed it earlier, definitely go back because Eric had some very interesting takes on that Denver offense, which I tend to agree with. Yeah. Want to talk tight ends here? Because how about this? We've had some weeks where tight ends have been comp- just garbage, right? Just nothing there. Mm-hmm. We've had other weeks now with so many of these tight ends kind of rising out of obscurity and actually putting themselves <laughs> on the map like Trey McBride mm-hmm. and like David Njoku, who was unlocked by Joe Flacco and George Kittle waking back up that now you actually have some decent options here. And Dalton Schultz of CJ mm-hmm. Stroud is back would be another one. We still have Kelsey getting around 16%, but McBride's up there. Love him this week. Gerald Everett's at 14%. Kittle's at 13. Schultz is up there at 11. Chig finally coming off a big game at 10%. But the one that uh, that we should probably talk about the most is Trey McBride at 15%. I mean, that seems like a pretty good spot. 
and Philly can't tackle, they have no quality linebackers either. Yep. It's going to be Trey McBride for me. I think that's the guy that makes sense of 5,900. Something tells me that once I start firing stuff up in the Sims tool here this week, which I haven't done here yet, we got all the stuff updated for everybody coming off the holidays. Happy holidays. But Trey McBride, 5,900. The opportunity is insane. It's through the through the moon. Had no low, lower than seven targets here in a game now since week nine. It is absurd. It's absurd the volume that you're getting for him. Yeah, they only have a 19 implied total, but uh, against Philadelphia, you expect them to be throwing a lot because you expect them to be behind, and 15% ownership isn't enough. I know the Sims tool is more than likely going to like him. We'll also say shout out to the Sims tool, trying to get us into lower owned, well, not lower owned, but cheaper tight ends last week after we talked about how good the 4, 5, 6K range was. Aconquo goes completely overlooked and finally puts up that that game that we've been looking for from him, 18.3. That was pretty much all the Sims tool doing that for me in large field. And uh, I'm going to be going to a lot of Gerald Everett because we've already talked about that Denver spot. It's surprising to see him the third highest on tight end there, but that's going to be something that I suppose happens as a result of Allen and Palmer being out or assumed to be out here in this spot. Maybe I do want to just go full onslaught and jump over to the Denver defense and just look for that. 42-7 type style game here where Jared Stidham can be the savior that Gotham deserves. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt that Trey McBride, he should end up being the highest on tight end here when we come to the flip. Agreed. Hey, Mark asked in chat, uh, Lafayette, you mentioned Rondell Moore the other day. Do you still like him with the McBride stack? Well, I don't expect Marquise Brown to play this week either. So um, again, Philly struggling so much to tackle. It's been a massive weakness it does line up well for a Rondell Moore who's going to get the ball near the line of scrimmage. It's really been a weakness there. They struggle. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I do have like, look, they're 11 point dogs, but if if they get this offense humming a little bit with Trey McBride, go to Rondell Moore, Michael Wilson's been targeted like 10 times over the last two games. He has zero receptions in those games that that's not working. So I don't have a problem with a $3,600 Rondell Moore. I don't want to be playing him naked, but uh, by himself, but if I'm, but if I'm stacking uh, Kyler Murray, just going, finding ways to get the cheap stacks and then getting uh, expensive plays elsewhere. That means that Kyler Murray at 6,300 with Trey McBride at 5,900 allows you to get to a $4,200 Dorch, $3,600 more who's on the field a ton or a Wilson. Uh, yeah. Rondell Moore as a second piece in that two man stack for Arizona. No issues with that. But it's a large field play. This isn't like a, you know, something I expect to work out more times than not. Yeah, a lot of what Rondell Moore's value has been in the NFL has been like end arounds, has been, you know, trying to get him in space uh, in the running game. Uh, it's tough with James Conner there, who ends up leading Arizona in passing and, or sorry, in rushing and receiving last week. Um, it's frustrating. Rondell Moore. Hasn't really panned out. The Purdue pedigree that he had, just being somebody who could get open in these short yardage situations, hasn't panned out. Um, I think he'll end up being more of a deep shot type Alec Pierce when it's all said and done for his NFL career. Uh, and that's a bummer because I thought there was a lot of promise coming out of you know playing college DFS and he was a dude there. But I like Michael Wilson. I like Greg Dortch a little bit more. I think I'll probably be taking shots on them uh, and, and kind of mixing them in. I like getting to the Miami pass catchers maybe a little bit more considering uh, you're going to see Cedric Wilson, Braxton Barrios on the field a ton, and people just won't want to do it against Baltimore, so I'll do it. I'll be just fine with it. Uh, as you said, though, Philadelphia, they have problems tackling in space. They have issues all over that secondary, and 
and you know time to time out there uh the safety position but i feel pretty good that uh, you won't see crazy ownership to arizona here where you should be getting away from any of those three but definitely going to be preferring wilson and dorch because of what they can actually do in the passing game yeah and that's fair yeah but ronda when rondell moore takes one takes a screen pass set. 70 yards to the house Remember, we had this conversation. I'm saying, I, Rondale Moore in space is an absolute beast. It's just that he never gets in space. It's just, it's so tilting because, again, I was so high on him coming out of Purdue. Uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. It's crazy. Like 70, 75% of his yards in Purdue were after the catch. Yep. He he was unbelievable at it, though. Like, you felt oh, like yeah. that skill set. And he can, he's just so small that he can. He's a little you know, pinball. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe him. He's a little pinball. And hey, he's actually ran pretty good this season. It hasn't been dinged up at all. I mean, he had missed some time at the beginning of last season, at the end of last season. Um, but there were some games in 2022, if you remember. I mean, he was getting targeted 10, 13 times. I don't think we're going to see that be the case here going forward. This offense, it's not it's not set up to do that here. Uh, they they want to slow it down with James Conner. They want to kind of just grind it out and... Yeah, Michael Wilson, Greg Dorch, they're more of the NFL bodies. Hey, you want to, uh, I just ran the Sims. You want to take a, a look <gasps> at stack exposures? Let's do it. Can I Can I guess who we're getting to the most? I'm, I'm yeah, just curious so out of an exercise. I'll give you a hint though. I, I'm not okay. going to give you a hint on who they are, okay. but I'll give you a hint on what the stack structure looks like. So QB plus three, okay. QB plus two. So our highest owned stack is a lot of QB plus three. The second one is a lot of QB plus two, maybe due to salary constraints. And then it's pretty spread out after that. Yeah, so San Francisco. So number one is what? I mean, Philly and San Francisco are both your expensive stacks that people are going to want to get to. Exactly. So, so number two and number three, as far as exposures go, is... Brock Purdy, two-man stacks. Some three-mans, but a lot of two-mans. My guess is a lot of that's like a McCaffrey, Ayuk, McCaffrey, Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo. I would think you get a lot of McCaffrey in those. Uh, let's see. What's our McCaffrey exposure? 49%. So, yes, that stands yep. to reason I'm right. I'm going to have uh, a lot of him. Number three, as far as exposures go, and it's Thursday. This is Things will change, guys, but this is always a fun thought uh, experiment, is, is Jalen Hurts. A lot of single stacks, though, rushing upside. We get it. Mm -hmm. What's number one? <sighs> Is it somebody we've talked about yet? Oh, yeah. We talked about him a lot. So Patrick Mahomes? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed. Okay. So that makes me happy that I'm not crazy. Because you just look at it from a leverage perspective. And also, like, 7K... Kelsey, 6,900 Kansas City uh, for Rashi Rice. Watson, 3,400. These aren't expensive relative to A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, relative to Ayuk, Samuel, McCaffrey. Like, it's so easy to pin, uh, put Kansas City together. Now, how much CEH are we getting to? That is the big, big question because a lot of my interest in Kansas City was like, well, in the event that CEH at 35% or something, like I expect it to be probably 40 45% in small field, I want to get leverage off of that in some capacity. And I feel like yeah. Kansas city's passing game is the way to do that. We're getting a ton. So that would okay. be one where you probably look, the good thing is you can go in and, and you can adjust these things, right? Like you yeah. can adjust uh projected ownership in the, in the contest. You can ROI boost or negatively boost 
to to change that. And I think you're right. That's one thing I would look to do. Hey, listen, it, on Monday, on Christmas Day, I mentioned to Ben on the first look show. I think I lost like 15% on the day. So nothing crazy. I, I live with that on an NFL slate. If you're treading water, just to, you know, as Gundacker, our buddy Gundacker, he had a great yeah. line, man. Uh, he said he plays DFS like an EKG machine where it's just kind of like this until you get one of those, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's right. He's right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm fine with that. But what I'm getting at is when it came to Kansas city, I, I, the Sims gave me a ton of Kansas city, three man stacks. And as gross as it feels at times, I still loved it. And I look back and I would do it again because when you have a slate like that, where you had, um, Devonte Adams. I'm not not saying that Devonte Adams was a great play, but expensive. Uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, who else? Oh, Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Saquon Barkley. I'm missing some, but you get the point. Like a lot of really yeah. expensive guys that you can't just jam on a three man a three game slate. What makes sense? All right, where's the leverage? load up on a stack that is actually relatively cheap outside of Mahomes and Kelsey and just hope that one team breaks the slate. And when they don't and they have a bad game like they did, you look back and you go, oh man, that sucks. But what's the best way to get as many points as possible there when you can't play all of the expensive guys? Get the correlation, get the attachments. Yep. And the, the the Chiefs were the way to do that. Cheaply. Yep. Just makes, didn't work out. Makes sense to me. I yeah. I'm I'm completely with you. I mean, this is this is going to be a might, spot that, that might be a similar thought process even on a 13 game slate, Eric. Where you're like you you might need a a nuclear explosion for one of these teams where even the cheap guys get in on the business. Well, yeah, and I mean, you have 26 shots at it here this time around. Yep. Most slates we have 18 or 20, which again we we're going to run into some overlap. We're going to run into you know some teams that do have explosions there, but we have a lot of outs here and. Again, weather looks pretty good this week. We ran really good in the weather department last week. It looks pretty good again this weekend. I'm not seeing anything crazy here as of yet. So, uh, you know, the famous last words, I'm sure something will pop up. But um, there are going to be some some shootout-type spots in Kansas City. It's hard to not see this against Cincinnati and what they bring defensively to the table, which isn't a whole heck of a lot. 24th-ranked defense here in PFF grading, leading to more shootouts here in the Jake Browning era. Um, it's been, it's been insane, whether that was Minnesota, Jacksonville, we've now seen it a number of times where Cincinnati will push the pace of some of these games. They got eviscerated there against Pittsburgh, which was a little bit surprising there. Mason Rudolph season, but I mean, look at these totals that they've now given up defensively 34, 24, uh, 14 against Indy. Uh, that was kind of a weird one. 31. I mean, there are some shootouts coming down the, coming down the barrel here when you're facing Cincinnati and I kind of want to be there for it. Yeah. Me too. Might not feel good, but what a tough slate, you know? Yeah. It's, you're going to have to make some decisions you don't love. Swoop said, uh, I might have some some Lamar doubles. Yeah, actually, I'm looking at exposures now, and we have some Lamar doubles, but a lot of Lamar, we have 5% Lamar single stacks, which I don't hate at all. My assumption is that Zay Flowers against Miami. I dig it. We have some yep. single Terod Taylor stacks. He's... By the way, if you're playing DFS from a DFS perspective, so much better than Tommy DeVito. Like way better. And he's going to run and actually be good at it. Rather as Tommy DeVito yeah. ran and it was like watching, you know, like a carp out of water, uh, out yeah. of the lake. Not good. 
No, not good at all. Carve out of water. Good stuff, man. This kind of puts it into view a little bit. And uh, look, we're going to talk. You're on this Live Before Lock Sunday with Matt Kajeski, yes, uh, New Year's Eve. I'm with Ben right before you. So we'll have more info. We'll run the Sims. You guys, I know a lot of you guys in chat and, and who are watching maybe after they already have the Sims tool. So I assume you're like me and are obsessed with this stuff and you run it throughout the week and we're constantly updating everything. And it's fun. I'm going to miss football so much, man. Some, me too. Jordan said he couldn't wait for football to be over. But I get that from like a working perspective. It's it's demanding for sure. But I just love, there's nothing I look forward to as much as like every Sunday of football preparing, talk. What other sport can we just talk about it all week for one one day? Yeah, it's it's like the um, it's the climax of the movie. We have an entire first act, second act, third act, and then you know you get down to the to the shootout at the end. Uh, that's every week in the NFL. Whereas NBA, I I enjoy you know not monotonous. That's not the right word, but I enjoy the repetitiveness that exists here in the NBA. Me I too. enjoy day in day out being able to go through numbers, but for the NFL. You know, there's there's part art, part science to it. And that's what makes the Sims tool so fun to play with. It's a living, breathing thing, changing throughout the week, applying projections, 10,000 Sims every single time. It's just a lot of damn fun. And there's nothing else like it. Oh, yeah, brother. Good stuff, yeah, man. You and I'll do this week 18 to close out the regular season. Guys, before you go, if you don't mind, hit that thumbs up. Much appreciated. And uh, like I said, prize picks, $100 first match deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. Take advantage of that, the free squares, and free month of Odd Shopper Premium. Hey, can't beat that. Join the Discord. Say hello. Check out the Expert Picks page and all of the plus EV bets. Big stuff going on. Uh, and, of course, last thing, you want to check out the Sims tool for a week, for a month, for NFL, for NBA, link in the description and chat. It's been crushing for people lately, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to ride this till the wheels fall off, baby. That's what we're going to do. Sounds good. Thursday night football tonight, live before lock. Strategy show already happened. Are you on live before lock for NBA? Yes. Yes, I am. Me and Matt Bellman. A lot of stuff coming up throughout the day. Appreciate you guys hanging with us all season. We'll see you back here to put a bow on it next week. Peace.